Good morning and welcome to On Fire Radio, brought to you by Catskill Mountain Christian Center, a full gospel family church and Christian academy located at 629 Main Street in beautiful Margaretville, New York. What a great day to go to church. If you don't have a church, come on over to Catskill Mountain Christian Center. We would love for you to be our guest this morning. That's Catskill Mountain Christian Center this morning at 10 o'clock. If you'd like more information about On Fire Radio or Catskill Mountain Christian Center, give us a call at 845-586-4848. I'm Renard Bartow, and I'd like to invite you to join us for the next 30 minutes as we bring you On Fire Radio. Now let's go to Pastor Bob Engelhart with today's message. We're going to begin in Psalm 137 was written after the Jewish people. It was like 600 B.C. or something like that. The, the uh, Babylonians came and they wrecked Jerusalem. They tore down the temple. They tore down the walls. They tore down the whole city. They took a lot of the Jewish people captive and brought them back into Babylon. And so this psalm is written by those Jewish people who were in exile from their homeland, from Jerusalem, that many of them still remembered. And um, they're, they're writing from that perspective, or this psalm begins at least from that perspective. So this is Psalm 137. And it says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat, yea, we wept. We remembered Zion. So don't, don't forget, they're in exile now in Babylon. They were taken into exile from the Babylonians who destroyed their home city, Jerusalem, the city of God, right? It says, uh, verse 2, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. And they, if they hung their harps, they weren't playing music, right? They hung their harps, they weren't playing music because they were weeping, right? Um, it says we sat down and we wept. We remembered Zion. We remembered what it was to live in a good culture. What it was not to be, not to be pressed on every side with, with every kind of issue and problem and nastiness and dirtiness and filth. We remembered Zion where God's temple was and we wept because we had lost it. We were taken captive and brought into Babylon. Verse 3 says, for there, those who carried us away, the Babylonians, they asked us for a song. And those who plundered, plundered us requested mirth. Or re they, they, wanted to, want, they wanted to hear our, our cool music, our cool songs that we used to sing when we were at home in Israel, in, in Jerusalem. Come on, sing a song for us. And the psalmist says, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And I'm going to stop there. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? We've been taken captive. We're, we're, we're in a, a land now that 
we are the exception and not the rule, right? And um, so I got this, actually I, I stole this anecdote from uh, N.T. Wright, who's a Christian author. And he, he talks about 1991, um, the movie about the perfect storm with George Clooney in it and those guys and they got, they got wrecked. And it, it happened that all of these weather systems came together at one particular point in time. Is that Andrea Gale, wasn't the name of the ship, was the Andrea Gale. And these guys are 500 miles out, out of Gloucester, Massachusetts or something, 500 miles out. And all of these weather systems come together and create this perfect storm. And, and all they ever found left from the boat, the fishing boat, were just a few pieces of scrap and that kind of thing. I mean, that was, you know, horrific. I'm going to tell you something. I think that, I think, I think that there's those weather systems seem to be coming together in our generation like I don't know that I've ever seen before. I think evil weather systems, high pressure, low pressure, you know, there was a, the end of a hurricane, caught on the end of a hurricane, and like all of this stuff came together and created this perfect storm. And, um, and I, first of all, I wanted to start with, because I think Jesus was in the eye of the perfect storm in his day in, in Israel or, or in, you know, where they were all those years ago. It was uh, Jerusalem, right? He came from Galilee, Nazarene. Um, and this is uh, Luke 23. I just want, to, want you to see the perfect storm kind of begins on Palm Sunday, Right? Because Jesus comes into town. Now Jesus stops and weeps on his way coming into Jerusalem, saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you've missed your day of visitation. How I would love to have gathered you together. How I would love to have gathered you together. But you missed your day of visitation. But yet, there are crowds of people as Jesus comes down into Jerusalem putting palms down before him and their, their clothes down before him. So already you see the makings of a storm. You see that Jesus is saying, as, as a whole, as a culture, you've missed your day of visitation. Yet, yet the people are thinking, here comes Jesus the prophet, the guy who heals people, the guy who loves the unlovable, the guy who sets people free, the guy who calms the storm. Here he comes, yahoo! This is going to be awesome! Says a whole multitude. And that now, the next thing in the storm is Judas betraying him. Because religious folks hated Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was taking a cut. You know, from their, their religious um, organizations. 
for your Pharisees. And even, even among the Jews, they argued, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and John the Baptist and all of these guys. So you're talking about like perfect storm. Jesus is coming into this place where these people hate him. Now, you know what the first thing he's going to do? He's going to go in the temple and he's going to knock over the tables. Perfect storm. Creating the perfect storm. Now they're going to hate him even more. And he gets one of his disciples. And that's a word to every one of us. That's the plank word. One of his own disciples and says, I'm going to, I'm going to give you 30 pieces of silver if you, if you show me who this guy is. Right? Give you 30 pieces of silver. Judas says, I'm, I'm down with that. He didn't really, probably didn't really have any concept of the gravity of what he was doing. And so he comes up and with, a, 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 with an expression of affection, he kisses Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, Judas, you're going to betray me with a kiss? You know, it's a church guy. He's one of the disciples. Oh, you're going to betray me with a kiss? Right? Verse, uh, um, chapter 23 of Luke. And then the whole multitude of them rose up and led him to Pilate. So now you have the Romans. That's one storm system. You have the Jews. That's another storm system. You have Jesus, who is the eye of the storm. Who is the... Everything is circling around him, right? Jesus is the eye of the storm. And you have all of the ingredients necessary for the perfect storm. And, 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 and nobody knows that God is in the middle of that perfect storm bringing salvation to human beings, bringing life to this planet, bringing salvation to our planet. God is surprised by all of this, right? The whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Right? Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, he answered him and said, It is as you say. He said, Yup. Said, yep, I am. Right? So Pilate said to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no fault in this man. Right? So you got you got storm systems that are working together, ebbing and flowing. But they were more fierce. The Jews, the, the Jewish hierarchy were more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. And when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked the men if, um, he, if he was a, a Galilean, and as soon as he knew he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time, and now when he saw Herod, Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, because he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see a miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. <laughs> Jesus is so stinking tough, right? Herod, right? The king. Jesus answered him nothing. 
Love that. You know, sometimes you don't have to answer everybody's question when they ask you about your faith. Sometimes you don't have to answer them. Sometimes you don't have to, you know, pretend like you know more than you know. Say, I don't know. I just know he's God and I love him. You know, I found myself in Jesus Christ and I love him. And the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. See, they had the most to lose. In their minds, they had the most to lose. They were the ones who took the step forward because they had power. They had power. They had authority. They had great outfits. You know? They had great outfits. And they could, they could really pray in public and really whip the people into a, a sense of God's presence. Right? And now they're, they're in danger of losing their power by this guy from Galilee. It's like, you know, they said, um, what good thing comes from Nazareth? Isn't that what they said? What good thing can come out of Nazareth? It's like, what good thing could come out of Margaretville? Right? What, thing, what good thing could come out of Andes or, or Fleischmann's or Roxbury? You know, God can raise up, raise up people. As a matter of fact, he prefers to raise up people who are not supposed to be you know, the, the rich and famous and so on and so forth. It says, then Herod, uh, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Herod got aggravated. And so they began beating on Jesus and mocking him and all that kind of thing. Um, They mocked him of the ray. They put on a gorgeous robe on him. Oh, this is the king of the Jews. And they sent him back to Pilate. You know, they're mocking him. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity with each other. Sometimes people joined together. And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, he said to them, you brought us this man to us. And as one who misleads the people, and indeed, having exclaimed, examined him in your presence, I've found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. So neither did Herod, for, uh, for I sent you back to him, and indeed, there was nothing deserving of death that has been done by him. I will chastise him and release him, for it was necessary for him to release one of them at this feast. And then they cried out at once, saying, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas. You know, we all, we all love Rambo. You know, we all love Barabbas or, you know, whoever. You know, the tough guy, the, you know, the guy who's a murderer or whatever he was and uh, all those kind of things. I, we have a whole culture that prefers the, the bad guy with a big heart, Right? The bad guy with the big heart are most of the movies we like. There's a redemption story in it somewhere. He says, um, and they cried out at once saying, away with this man and release to us Barabbas who had been thrown into prison for certain rebellion made in this city and for murder. Pilate therefore wishing to release Jesus again called out to them, but they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. And when he said to them a third time, what evil has he done? I found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with a loud voice that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released, uh, and he released to go to them the one that they requested, Barabbas. 
who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus to their will. They, lay, they led him away, and they laid hold of a certain man, Simon the Cyrene, who, um, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it for Jesus. Great multitude of people followed him, and the woman who mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep. There were coming days in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, the barren wombs who never bore, and their breasts who never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? We do these things when things still are relatively good. What's going to happen if this culture virus actually falls apart? The perfect storm maybe concludes with the two that were crucified next to Jesus, one on one side and one on the other. And one guy says, you know, hey, you're, you're, you're the hotshot here, Right? You're the hotshot. You did signs and wonders and miracles. And why don't you just, you know, get us all down from here? You know, and the guy and the other guy, the other guy said, what's your problem? Leave him alone. He hasn't done anything to you. Right. We're, we're paying for our crimes, the crimes we committed. We deserve to be here, but this man has done nothing. And Jesus just, you know, I don't know if it looks better like this on the cross. He says, buddy, today you will be with me in paradise. Today, you'll be, today you will be with me in paradise. This day you will be with me in paradise. It's in the middle of the perfect storm. How do we respond in this day, in this hour that we live to the perfect storm that we're all in the middle of? Um, one thing about Jesus, and, and that's, it's always a concern, is Jesus always drew crowds. Jesus always drew crowds because he had mercy for the people that nobody else cared about. See, the problem is we got like TV. So there are not so many people like that. I can watch the same show as you, watch the same guy with the cool car and the same people who are living ostensibly these perfect lives without God in them. There's no God on TV. I mean, unless you turn on Christian TV, which is like a step below most times, right, in terms of production, in terms of presentation and things like that. But, but, but our media movie machine TV machine has given us this idea that we can live perfectly happy lives with no God. Just God zip. I'm not going to say anything bad about God. I'm just gonna, not going to, I'm just going to pretend like there's not even a God. So we get an idea, or we try to create a vision for what we want our lives to be like, and we want our lives to be like we see on TV. Perfectly good. Maybe you go to church, maybe you don't. You know, it doesn't really have much to do with God. And the question, is there a living God? And I think our perfect storm, I'm just going to read down this list quick because I can keep going and going and going and going because we are in a perfect storm right now. Um, 
the cyclones are around us, you know, from our youth as, as uh, partiers, sexualizing, mocking faith and education. The church is against the church. The perfect storm. Churches against churches. My church is better than your church. I don't like this church anymore. I'm going to go to another church. You know, I don't know. I belong to this denomination. Why? Because my, my mom and dad, you know, belong to this denomination. And because I think, folks, what kind of theological degree did your mom and dad have? You know, that they knew what was right? You know, you go, you go to the best thing you can find. You go to the place where you suspect that maybe Jesus is living among the people. But, but, but this concept of longing for our home, a city, in Hebrews it said, um, Abraham sought a city whose foundation was laid by God. He sought a city whose foundation was laid by God. And Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. Gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what we're doing here. We have the church against the church. Christians moving around looking for the perfect church. Doesn't do Jesus' purposes any good, by the way. It just confuses people. Where'd everybody go? Right? I don't know. We have believers make believers rebellious believers, believers believers in their own private faith. We have fearful believers, people who are in church because they're afraid of the big bad world, judgmental believers, plank, plank believers, uh, carnal believers, double lives believers, people who live a life when they're among their church folks and another life when they're at home. All of these different groups claiming Jesus as their own. No, we own Jesus. No, we own Jesus. No, we, we own Jesus. Right? I'm owned by Jesus. So, and we're in a world filled with crimes. I'm going to read you the list. Crimes, scams, political turmoil. The left leans towards skepticism. The, light, the right side of our political and religious world lead, lean toward conservatism, atheism, agnosticism, scientism, sexual anarchy, which is actually my son David's term, which I think perfectly embodies where we are, sexual anarchy. Anarchy is just a, there's no rules. There's no rules. You go according to your whim, and that should be okay. Racial bias, Bible Belt versus the Northeast, Rural versus city. No God in school or government. No God allowed it in school or government. 1962, they took prayer out of schools. Right? God, you're no longer welcome in our public schools. Right? Um, TV and movies show us a make-believe life that can be lived without even an acknowledgement of God. Marriages are a mess. Many of them just multiplied over and over again. So, so where are we in this storm? You know, where are we in this perfect storm? I mean, we're the ones that really are, should be seeking and saving the lost. See, the Andrea Gales sank, but the Coast Guard was out looking for her. There were, you know, the airplanes looking for her. There was a great search, 
you know, that, that perhaps she made it through this perfect storm and she didn't. Listen, that's supposed to be our job. We're supposed to be among the people that we interact with, you know, bringing this message of the one who calmed the wind and the waves. I'm, listen, I don't know, God may get mad at me for this, but when they had this storm in the Bible in the middle of the sea, and all of these guys, many were fishermen, all of these guys were afraid for their lives. It's in the middle of the night, there's this terrible storm, and they're afraid they're going to die. And Jesus has the nerve to be asleep in the back of the boat, laying down snoozing, probably snoring, you know? He's in the back of the boat, snoozing. And these guys are terrified. So finally, they get up the courage to say, Jesus, come on, wake up, we're going to die. And Jesus gets wonderfully annoyed at them. <laughs> he gets wonderfully annoyed at them. I mean, the question today, is Jesus in your boat? Is Jesus in your boat? And, and can you take a backhanded compliment from him when he gets annoyed at you and saying, what are you afraid of? Am I not right here? And he says to the wind and the waves, shut up! It's like science, silence, be still, or some religious thing like that. But in the vernacular, it's like, shut up! And the wind and the waves stop. And the guys are like, nah, we weren't really that scared, Jesus. <laughs> they were terrified. They were terrified. Listen, folks, we're in the eyes of we're in the eye of a storm. You know, everything feels like it's falling apart in our culture. Everything feels like it's falling apart. And um, the question is, Jesus is in your boat. Some 45.7, you love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. The oil of gladness. I would love Holy Spirit come today and, and just pour out the oil of gladness upon God's people here in this place that their hearts would be glad because you know Jesus, because he is our King, our Lord, our everything. He's our Jesus. And finally, Psalm 119, my hands, I will lift to your commandments, which I love, your commandments, which I love. What's Jesus' commandment? Love one another. What's Jesus' commandment? Love one another. That's the agape love. That's the God love. Love one another. What's Jesus' first and foremost commandment? Love one another. You got the Ten Commandments. You know how to be good. You know what God feels about these things. Now Jesus said, I'm going to make it really hard for you. I want you to love one another. By this will all people know that you belong to me by your love one for another. Isn't that wonderful? I'm going to make you do something really hard. We're going to go through hell week. We're going to swim 42 miles. And we're going to climb over things. And we're going to, people are going to, no. Jesus said, this is my commandment to you, that you love one another. In Psalm 119, 48, my hands I will lift up to your commandments, which I love. 
and I will meditate on your statutes. I, I do think the problem with, the problem with, how many sentences start with that? One of the issues with our culture, it's so laden with media that there's very little time for solitude. And, and prayer or relationship with Jesus requires solitude. It re requires um, not just reading this book, but letting this book read you, right? Letting its words read you. Letting this book judge you, right? There's none of us that can't find some place in this book that we come up short. Because we still have to live. We still have to make a living. We still have to go to school. We still have to do life. And life becomes a grinding sort of thing that I want some change. You know, I want, I want something different. I want some change. And the change you find happens within yourself. It's what happens within yourself as you grow in the Lord Jesus Christ and you become content in where you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. You become content and you become joyful even right where you are. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God has used this message to minister to you. If you would like to help financially support the work of Catskill Mountain Christian Center, you can go to our website and give at www.cmcconline.org. There you'll find options how to give online safely and securely. And on behalf of Pastor Bob Inglehart and everyone here at Catskill Mountain Christian Center, this is Jake Johnson signing off. God bless, and thank you for joining us this morning.